You're listening to Cannabis Health Radio. Here are your hosts, Ian Jessup and Corey Yelland. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Yelland. Around the world, prostate cancer is the second most common type of cancer in men. Most prostate cancers are slow-growing. However, some grow relatively quickly with cancer cells spreading from the prostate to other parts of the body, particularly the bones and lymph nodes. Initially, it may cause no symptoms, but in later stages, it can lead to difficulty urinating, blood in the urine, or pain in the pelvis, back, or when urinating. And prostate cancer generally occurs in men over the age of 50. Now, it has been said that a great many men who are diagnosed with prostate cancer will die of something else long before the symptoms of the cancer catch up with them. Joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, is Taylor Holbrook. She's going to talk about her stepfather's prostate cancer because he wants to remain anonymous. Taylor, thanks for doing this. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Take us through when your stepfather, Bob, was diagnosed with prostate cancer and some of the problems he was experiencing that prompted him to see a doctor. He actually hadn't had any symptoms. He was doing a, his routine checkup, and he does, you know, the yearly, the yearly exam. And within that year, it had just grown very quickly, which is, as you said, you know, rather unusual. But at first, they said, okay, we think we found something. And they said, whatever it is, it's going to be early. It's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. You know, they did a, I believe it was an MRI, and they discovered that it was actually much, much worse. They said it was stage four. So from there, they did biopsy lymph nodes and found that it had spread to his lymph nodes. So it was actually much worse than they originally thought, which was kind of a, kind of a scary surprise for, for Bob, for sure, for all of us. How was Bob's attitude when he was diagnosed with stage four? Oh, well, he, he's the most easygoing guy you'd ever met. First, he was pretty like, you know what, we're just going to handle this. But then he sort of, he, he shut down for a few days. He was having a really rough time. He's a really roll with the punches kind of guy, but he was feeling very depressed, pretty hopeless. You know, it, it went from being... Like, like you said, like, hey, you're not going to have any symptoms or you're not going to even really see the effects of this to, well, this is severe. So he, he was feeling pretty helpless. He needed a couple of days to process it. And then his mental attitude turned to depression, realizing that this was a life-threatening ailment. Absolutely. Taylor, how old is Bob or was Bob when he was diagnosed? Um, he just turned 60. What treatments were offered by the doctors? They really wanted him to do hormone replacement, you know, estrogen therapy, essentially. You know, the, when they get rid of your testosterone and drop those levels down really low. That was the number one thing that they wanted him to do. They also wanted him to do radiation, um, was something that they were really pushing for. They also had the option of doing prostectomy, which... They, you know, that was their, the doctors didn't want to, didn't want to do that one as much as they wanted to do 
the first two options because they said, well, it's spread. There might not be a benefit to remove the prostate spread beyond the prostate. Uh, but they're very adamant about doing, you know, the hormone uh, replacement therapy and radiation. And, you know, we did, we did a ton of research on that. And, you know, the hormone replacement therapy is effective for, I think it's about two years or so. And then it's almost, almost universally comes back and it's no longer susceptible to that same treatment. And in the meantime, you have a host of, you know, you lose a lot of yourself as a man, I think, when you go through that. So it was really not really not ideal. And, and I've got a lot of uh, strong feelings against radiation based on, you know, what it does to your immune system and to your body and to your health in general. So those, you know, none of the options were, were great. No one, you know, we were pretty feeling pretty hopeless at that point. You know, I've never understood why doctors prescribe hormone replacement therapy for men with prostate cancer. Young men have just tons of testosterone in their body. Right. And once you reach the age of 50, your testosterone decreases dramatically. It does over the years. Right. And your estrogen goes up. Right. And so you have to ask yourself, okay, men over 50, 50. get prostate cancer. Why do they get prostate cancer? Is it possibly because they have too much estrogen in their system and not enough testosterone? And a doctor will come back and say, well, cancer feeds off testosterone. Okay, now why don't young men get prostate cancer if they have so much testosterone? Testosterone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a great question, and I think it's something, I think it's one of those treatment options that, you know, doctors are very limited in what they can, at least in the U.S. especially, they're very limited in what they can actually prescribe. And so they think, okay, here's something, and it will work for a little while, but it comes back. And and so in the meantime, you've, you've put your body through, you know, your body and your mind through so much, and then you've got cancer all over again. And, and the cancer that comes back is, is no longer susceptible to that treatment. And not all prostate cancers are susceptible to hormones in the first place. It's it's a really weak system. I, I, I believe they do the same thing for, for breast cancer as well, where they um, lower your estrogen, I believe, because some are sensitive to that. It's, it's just a really imperfect system. It's hardly a treatment, in, in my opinion. But I'm a doctor, just... <laughs> You know, I have, I ha- Taylor, I have a friend who uh, had prostate cancer um, before the days that I knew about cannabis oil, and he did the uh, hormone therapy, and he is suffering majorly medically now as a result of the hormone therapy back in the day, back done back 10 years ago. Oh, and he has wow. major medical problems now as a result, direct link to this hormone therapy. Um, that's awful. I'm, I'm not surprised at all. You know, your, your body hormones, you know, my, my background's biology. That's what I went to school for. And, and, you know, and you see, we think about hormones as just being linked to one or two functions, very specific, but they control your whole body. They're controlling many, many steps. Hormones control way more than we even understand yet. So to mess around with it is something that no one should take that lightly, you know, and, and doctors shouldn't take that lightly either. You said a few moments ago that when the doctors recommended radiation, you have some strong opinions of radiation. Yes. (laughs) Fire away, kiddo. (laughs) Um, Well, essentially, you know, the thing about you guys, you know, probably know way more about this than I do. Um, Just from what I from what I know of it is that, you know, essentially you are destroying the function of your immune system when you put radiation to your body and 
the idea is, is you kill, you know, with radiation, you're killing cells, but in an undifferentiated, like unspecified manner. So if you had a bunch of people in a room and you wanted to just kill the bad guys, this would just be like blowing up the building. You're killing the good, you're killing the bad. That's what radiation does. So you're left with no more cancer cells for the time being, or at least way less cancer cells, but you also don't have your immune cells, which you need to fight off the remaining cancer. So your body's weak and it's already depleted and it, then there's still cancer there because radiation is not a perfect cure. It, cancer does come back, those cells grow, and then you don't have, your body's not strong enough to fight it off because your body naturally fights, fights cancer cells on its own. It happens, it does it every day. And it's, it's equipped to do that, but when your immune system's weak, it, it can't. So it's, it's sort of a, um, you know, it, it's, it's another imperfect solution as well. But that's sort of the nature of cancer treatments in America and in a lot of parts of the world is, you know, they're not really treatments. They're Band-Aids. And Corey has a story on the use of radiation. What the, They wanted to give you radiation. Mm-hmm. Tell Taylor that story. Yeah, when I went in, they said, well, you know, it's the worst part of the body to treat, and uh, we're going to hit your coccyx and your pubic bone, so you'll probably have, or you will have bone deterioration. We'll try not to hit your spine. They said, you're going to have second and third degree burns, uh, vaginally, rectally, perianally. Said my vagina and rectum would probably fuse shut. Oh, my God. Yeah, and I thought, no, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Thanks, but no thanks. (laughs) So with wow. with Bob's prostate cancer and the options the doctors offered, what sort of treatment did Bob undergo? So the thing was is that at first he didn't he, he didn't take any treatment at birth. Um, after a lot of lot of convincing, Bob and my mom decided that they would do they would try the cannabis oil first. I convinced them to not go with the, the hormone or the radiation or chemotherapy. Just, I finally, you know, I was able to convince them of that, but they were still pretty stuck on wanting to try, you know, wanting to just cover all their bases and try something. You know, he obviously, no one's thrilled to get a, a part of your body removed, but I think that they were both, you know, they're very, very scared, obviously, and worried that this, that cannabis, what if cannabis oil doesn't work? And then we've waited and then it gets worse. So they had the prostatectomy scheduled with the notion that they could cancel it if, if he, showed dramatic improvement before that. He underwent uh, two months of, of the oil before the, the process. Pros- now, he did that as uh, suppositories, correct? But, yeah, he did both suppositories and oral doses. You know, per, like, Corey's advice, like, you take the, you know, because Corey was the one that helped me through all this and taught me so much, and, and she told us that, you know, if you do suppositories during the day, you can basically live very normally you're not high you're not tired um, and then you take the oral dose at night and then it helps you sleep so you're allowing your body to you're allowing the oil to target it from multiple routes because the suppository is not entering your is not entering your um, your system the same way as, as it would orally so you're allowing it to enter on multiple levels um, and it, you're getting around the clock you know treatment essentially that way and and it's helping you it's helping you rest which is you know crucial to a healthy immune system what was your um, dad's reaction, your stepdad's reaction, when you first brought up the topic of cannabis oil with him? Well, you know, he, like, made a joke about, he's like, well, I've been smoking enough my whole life. Shouldn't it have taken care of this for me? You know, that's the that's the usual joke. 
I actually like sat them down and I, you know, I made a little PowerPoint and I had to, and I explained it to them and, and I gave them a bunch of the research papers I'd found and was really took it slow. Cause I, I understood that I was, I too was extremely skeptical. Um, when I heard about cannabis oil, I was like, Oh, another, you know, another ridiculous overblown, you know, magic cure, magic cure. That's right. 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 So I was really skeptical too, but the research is, the research is astonishing. You can't argue with, with research that, that amazing. And then you just see all the stories. And, but the research was, I mean, it, it blew me away. So I, I, I walked him through it and he was more open to my, open to it than my mother was. My mother was really, you know, she's like, well, if this is this great cure, then why isn't it allowed in America? Why can't you get it? Like, why aren't they giving it out? And I'm like, mom, have you heard of big pharma there? She just didn't, she didn't want to believe that there was something so powerful that so many people had no access to. So did it take Bob a few days, Bob and your mother, a few days to decide to go with the cannabis oil? Yeah. The full, like about, about two hours of presentation and question and answering. The seminar. (laughs) Right. The seminar. Uh, And then for about, they gave about two days, I think. Uh, where I just gave them the research papers for them to look over and, you know, they asked a few questions and, you know, and I was sitting there with my fingers crossed, but they finally came back and they're like, you know what, like, this is like, why not? This seems like there's, there's a lot of evidence and, you know, it's the best option of all these non-treatments. So I remember talking, sorry, I remember talking to you and you wondering what would be the best things to show them to try and convince them that this would, you know, be the route to go and, then waiting for the results after the seminar there. Right. <laughs> it was crazy few days, for sure. So he started on the cannabis oil. Mm-hmm. How did that work? So, you know, we, we got the oil, and there was a lot of, okay, what, you know, how do we do this? So there's a lot of, like, researching and scrambling to figure out the right way to, to mix it and to make suppositories and all that. So basically they got on a system, you know, the sort of the basic system that Corey talks about where you start off with a, a, a dose the size of a half grain of rice, then you double it every few days and until you get up to, I believe it was like one gram a day. So that was sort of the goal was to get up to one gram a day. So he did that in, he, you know, as, as I said before, he, he would take the suppository in the morning, he'd take the oral dose at night and, you know, he never missed a day of work. He, you know, he felt like he felt a little something for sure, but it wasn't you know, it didn't affect his work at all or anything. He could go to work and have big meetings and no one knew that he was, you know, had a bunch of cannabis in him. So that alone was great because if any other of those treatments would have taken him out of commission for a while. We also put him on a different diet because that's another one of those things that actually can, can work pretty well, can really help your immune system. So we, you know, got him off processed food. We decreased the amount of meat he was eating, increased the vegetables produce and you know the green tea and the turmeric and all the different things we just wanted to tack it on all fronts a lot of cannabis oil and a lot of healthy food right off the bat you know taylor you make a very interesting point Corey. i think you'd agree that most people that we've interviewed who have had cancer and have eradicated the cancer from their body also <laughs> change their diet mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you have to change your diet. You have to feed your cells. I mean, the old adage, you are what you eat, is very true. 
if you so if you're going to eat junk, then your cells will be junk, and they'll start to uh, malfunction, and yeah. something will happen to you. It may not be cancer, but it may be something else. It's very true. I mean, um, who's the fellow? Michael Pollan in California, who's written books on food. He said, uh, "Eat food, mostly plant-based food, and eat mm-hmm. in moderation." Yes. And I think in North America, at least, we've gotten away from that. We eat far too much processed food, uh, frozen food that has chemicals in it, uh, Twinkies, and all that sort of stuff, donuts. I mean, go go into any store, any coffee shop today, and they sell a a lot of grain products, muffins, donuts, cookies. I mean, the cookies aren't small cookies like they used to be years ago. These are giant things like plates. Right. <laughs> and people stuff themselves and they wonder, why am I gaining weight? Well, just look at what you're eating. Right. And, you know, and, and sugar is something that, you know, we, we all hear about how bad sugar is for you. But the thing about sugar and cancer is that cancer cells can only survive on glucose. Most of the cells in our body, most of the cells in our body do not need glucose to survive. Our brain cells do, and I believe our, like our heart tissue does. If you drastically limit your glucose intake, um, and again, that's something that you have to be really careful about how you're doing it. But if you if you limit it enough, you know those cancer cells are not going to get that sugar, and they'll and they'll starve. So the rest of your body will be able to use the amount of sugar that you eat for its brain, for the brain, for the the cardiac cells. But the the cancer cells will will starve. So it's another you know specified. It's another way to target the bad the bad guys. You know, without getting the rest of the cell. Taylor, how long was Bob on the cannabis oil before he went back for another assessment by doctors? Um, so his first, I believe it was, he did, uh, you know, they were doing a PSA check. And the first time, I believe his PSA, it was over 12 um, initially. And then by the end of the two months, it had it had dropped down to 10, uh, which was good. And it was, it was good because that wasn't expected at this stage. Since it spread, they expected to go up. But the doctors, you know, were like, well, this isn't good enough. I think they sort of scared my parents into doing the prostatectomy a little bit, but, uh, or a lot of it. But they said that that's not enough and that they should go in there and do the prostatectomy. So it was, it was two months. It wasn't even a full, like, three months dosage, but still things were, things were working at that point. It's frustrating because his PSA went from 12 to 10, so it's going in the right direction. It's working. Right. And one of the frustrations I have is that the PSA test is not a reliable test. And that is yeah. not from me. That's from Richard Alblin, who's the inventor of the PSA test. He's been, oh, right. fr- he's been frustrated. He says it's a $30, billion, uh, $30 million uh, business in the, in the United States that costs the medical system $30 billion. And here's what he had to say. The test is hardly more effective than a coin toss. As I've been trying to make clear for many years now, PSA testing cannot detect prostate cancer, and more important, it can't distinguish between the two types of prostate cancer, the one that will kill you and the one that won't. So somehow the medical system has adopted the the idea that the prostate cancer is the true test to determine whether a man has cancer in his prostate, and it's not. I mean, this is from the inventor of the PSA test. It's crazy. Wow, that, that's pretty shocking. <laughs> tell me, pretty unsettling. 
Tell me what uh, Bob did next after taking the cannabis oil for two months and then going back to his doctors and the doctors encouraging prostectomy. That's when they decided to go ahead and do it. You know, they traveled up to Minnesota to get this done by a guy that was supposedly the one that could do it with the least damage because there's all this risk of nerve damage and incontinence and, and like, you know, all sorts of all sorts of problems that could come you know, is somebody nerfed up? So they decided to do that. You know, at this point, I, I had agreed that this was, you know, we, we had talked about it. And I was like, I know I can't, you know, this has to be your decision. This is what I think, but you got to make that choice. And they just felt like that this was, I think that they were just very scared. And they went and they, they had it done. And he had, you know, they were able to save all of the nerves on one side and 80% of the nerves on the so relatively successful as far as that goes, but there were tons of complications. He was in like agonizing pain. Um, there was trapped gas that they could not get rid of, and so he was at like a pain level nine for a full week. It was awful. It was just horrible, horrible stuff. He was there. He had to stay there extra long. They just, you know, he, he just couldn't. He couldn't eat that whole time. You know, he lost. God, I think he lost something insane. Like uh, it was something like twenty pounds like within a really short amount of time just from not being able to eat, being so sick. It, it was awful. There's that, that they didn't really, I mean, trapped gas is a risk for any abdominal surgery, of course, but you know, that's not something you're thinking about when you think about getting your prostate removed. But when they went in there, they biopsied his lymph nodes and, you know, they noticed that there was only cancer in one of 20 lymph nodes at this point. And the doctor said that the margins of the cancer were much cleaner that it had receded. They were saying that it was essentially getting, it was essentially being reversed. And of course they didn't say, they couldn't say, Oh, Hey, it's probably this. It's probably all the cannabis oil. They were like, well, I don't know what happened, but this seems to be going in the right direction. So it was, uh, it was interesting. I, I firmly believe that if he had just stayed with it, um, kept the cannabis oil going longer and skipped the process me, I think he'd still be cancer today i I believe that this is reminiscent of uh, one of the first uh interviews uh we did with uh joss out of uh germany Germany with prostate cancer and he ended up having the surgery and it turned out he didn't even need it it's horrible it's it's tragic it it really is tragic how is the have to give a part of yourself for no reason how is bob feeling today He's great today. He has no uh, detectable cancer levels anymore. He's cancer-free, and it took less than six months, <laughs> essentially. Um, you know, they're pretty. It's pretty much a miracle, as far as we're concerned. You know, my we were getting ready for him to die. Like that's that's how that was presented to us. Was that he didn't have many years left, and so now he here he is, and he's he's fine. He's healthy. He's um, obviously there's, there's side effects that I'm, that my mom and Bob are not going to talk to me about. I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's some, there's some nerve damage and things that he's struggling with, but in general, you know, he's alive and he's happy and they're converted now. They, they see what happened here. And that was that, you know, cannabis oil really did save his life. There's no doubt about it. Taylor, I remember at one point you saying to me, oh my God, I think my mom thinks of this like a supplement. 
<laughs> like a vitamin. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, that, uh, that's awesome. You know, I mean, the, out, the outcome was amazing. And, um, right. you know, your whole journey just to get them to pay some attention to cannabis oil and what it can do, et cetera, was really amazing, too. I remember the day you came back and said, yes, they said, yes, they'll do it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was such a good day. And I, I, you know, I couldn't have done it without you, Corey. I, I you know, you're, you're seriously like an angel in our house for, for real. This is, I wouldn't have been able to do this if you hadn't reached out to me. Well, thank you. Know, you. Was, and I'm glad, I'm glad you had the result you did too. Me too. Me too, to say the least. Taylor, does Bob continue to take cannabis oil? Uh, right now he's not, and I'm trying to get him to go back on to the maintenance doses. The reason he stopped was because after that sur- after the surgery, he just was, I mean, completely, like, he was pretty, uh, he, he was pretty ruined down there. He couldn't do the suppositories. Um, he was on a bunch of different medications for the pain, and he just didn't feel like he could handle doing the cannabis oil at that time. And so now he's, you know, he's better now, and, and they've just sort of, you know, I think they've gone back into, well, he's fine now. And I keep having this talk with them. I'm like, you know, it's really important that we keep this up. This isn't something that we take lightly. They've been talking about going back on again, doing little, you know, maintenance doses. You know, I might have to bust out the PowerPoint again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it's so important for him to be on that maintenance dose. Yeah. You know, I have time and time again seen people who have quit. And a year down the road, that cancer is back. Right. So, I mean, certainly he doesn't need to take it in the doses that he was taking it, mm-hmm. but he certainly does need to be doing a, a maintenance dose, in my opinion. Just at night, you yeah. know, a little bit at night. And is that like an everyday thing? I'm every just... day, every day, every day. Okay. This topic. Yeah, I mean, this, sorry, Taylor. This topic of prostate cancer is of interest to me because my dad and five of his brothers had prostate cancer, and only this was years ago, far before the Rick Simpson video came out and and people were Mm -hmm. aware of cannabis oil. But uh, they all had, with the exception of one brother, the prostectomy. And it wasn't pleasant. I can recall my dad, he wouldn't say too much about it, but you know it was the the incontinence Mm -hmm. as a result of it. And uh, it was horrible. The one brother who did not have it decided to quit drinking alcohol. He didn't drink that much, but he used to have beer occasionally. Quit drinking alcohol and went on SEAC tea. And his prostate PSA, they still hit the PSA, and uh, his prostate PSA uh, was reduced and it was stabilized at about eight or nine. And the doctor said, just keep doing what you're doing, you're fine. Wow. And he lived to be, I think... My uncle was 90. Wow. wow. And so, he, I mean, the prostate cancer didn't kill him. Other things did. But, uh, you know, your stepfather continues to take the cannabis oil, even a small amount on a daily basis. I'm sure he'll, he'll live to be 90. Absolutely. And that's, I mean, what an amazing, you know, little case study in, in, your, in your family right there that that's... You know, you could see that, that there are times where the medicine is, is making things worse for the patient. Absolutely. That's, I'm glad that he you know, found something that worked for him and Ta- stuck with his gun. You know. Taylor, do you take cannabis oil at all? I don't. Um, I'm trying to actually get some for my, my boyfriend. He's, 
he's got two brain tumors, two small benign brain tumors that they can't operate on. So we've been working on saving up to get that at some point. So we've been saving up for a while to try and get him some oil. Once we have that, I'm, I've been, you know, I've been curious about, um, I've been curious about trying it myself if there's enough. It is pretty expensive. I'm, I'm not, you know, we both work in the food service industry, so it, it, it's just a bit, it's something that we've got to, got to work towards definitely. But I'm, I'm not, I'm certainly not opposed to it. I feel like it's, it's talk about a, it's the ultimate supplement, you know, for, That's as right. my mom would say. As some people have said, it's not a cure-all, but it's the closest thing to a cure-all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It's an, it's an adaptogen, you know. You can't beat an adaptogen. Taylor, it's wonderful to hear your stepfather is uh, doing fine and uh, everything worked out for the best. Uh, I think if they'd taken your advice, it would have been better, but uh, what the hell? Parents, yeah. uh, parents <laughs> it can be like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little stubborn, but you know, right. I, I thank you. I really appreciate you guys hearing my story and sharing it. That's I hope that it can I hope that it can reach someone that is also skeptical or um or afraid, you know, of, or afraid of um or getting or getting sort of bullied in by a doctor into a treatment that they don't need. Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting point. Don't be bullied by the medical profession. Mm-hmm. Just take a couple of steps back, take some time, think about it. And mm-hmm. uh, don't feel that the doctor is the person who knows everything. They have been taught that the pharmaceutical pharmaceuticals are the way to go, but they aren't necessarily the most beneficial to the individual. Right. And I think it's it's incumbent on everyone to do their own research and find out about cannabis oil and all the benefits it can. It's wonderful to hear your story, your stepfather's story, and anything you'd like to say in conclusion? Oh, man, I just hope, um, you know, to anyone that's listening, I really hope that that everyone can get the help that they need and, and help their family members and keep spreading the word about this. It's it's really important that people that people know that there are options, that there is hope out there. Taylor, wonderful to talk to you. Thanks very much. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you, Taylor. Much appreciated. All right. You have a great day, okay? Yeah, you as well. And just before we wrap it up, another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. If you'd like to help us out here, then go to our webpage, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a donation. Any donation is fine. It can be a one-time donation or a monthly donation. We appreciate all donations to help us continue bringing the word about the medical use of cannabis. That's it, everyone. Thanks very much for listening. You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your cannabis business podcast, The Talking Hedge, and newest member on PodConX. So come on over and check out The Talking Hedge. We talk about business news, interviews, investments, events, all that stuff. So come nerd out with me over at the Talking Hedge. You can find me at the Talking Hedge 
podcast.com or on all your favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't, and I'm out.